Greetings, Earthlings. It's Daphne. And Velma. We just want to say welcome to Stir the Pot. Thank you, everybody, for coming out last week and listening. We had so many listeners. We're totally thrilled and so proud and so excited to have everybody here with us. Completely flabbergasted and honored. Like, realistically, I'm always... I always knew that we were funny, but now from everybody that's talking to me, they're telling me we're even funnier than we I thought we were. Confirmed. And so we are confirmed, confirmed comedians. Funny. Just buy tickets to our next stand-up <laughs> next month, right? <laughs> oh my goodness. I, uh, I did want to throw out a quick, I almost said fun fact, but it's actually not a fun fact. It's just pretty interesting. Okay. Tell me about this interesting fact. So the interesting fact is, I don't know if our many of our viewers know this, but Chicago is extremely violent. It's an extremely violent city, right? Like, lots of murder and gun violence, what have In you. In Chicago? I know. What? Chicago? What? what? Huh? No. Yes. And last weekend, it was kind of crazy weather. It was, like, really nice for a while, and then it got really crappy. So Mm -hmm. last weekend was the first weekend in 17 years that nobody has died from, like, gun violence. Like, nobody died from gun violence last weekend in Chicago for the first time in 17 years. That is actually pretty amazing. Totally bonkers. uh, In case our viewers, listeners, you said viewers earlier, you can't see us. (laughs) But Nobody in case sees. our listeners have not figured it out, we try to keep our information on the DL because of the smokety tokety, right? So, but one thing <laughs> uh, we can't keep on the DL is. That was so <laughs> One thing we can't keep on the DL is uh, we're Chicago lovers. People that are from Chicago can't hide their love of Chicago. This is very true. And, um,. Since the first two episodes, I think this is just an amazing fact because this is oh, it's crazy growing up around the area and what have you. I think that's uh, I love that, and I would like to write home about that, but I don't have anybody to write home to. <laughs> Anyways, on that well, note, it's gonna start getting worse because as it gets, I feel like I'm doing a weather forecast. Okay. As it gets hotter, uh, the gun violence and the death from gun violence goes up exponentially. Really? Yeah. I don't know much about this. This mm-hmm. is. I mean, I know about true crime. Yeah. But I guess I didn't know that more things happen. My fiancé is on top of all the Chicago facts and stats. Really weird fun fact for you. This one is Is a fun fact. Is this actually a fun fact? Probably not, but everything I say is a fun fact. So my mother had a lung transplant. Mm -hmm. And when she was originally listed for the lung transplant, they told her to be prepared in March, April, and May. Because that's when the most transplants were performed. (gasps) And just out of morbid curiosity, as a child, I was like, well, why? And it's because of motorcyclists in the area. Because oh, that's around that's the same time start. when start driving and going oh out. And that's one of the saddest facts. And for the record, she actually did not get along from a motorcyclist. Okay. So. I do want to point out that was not a fun fact. <laughs> that was not a fun fact. But, like, it's an interesting fact. It is. It's yes. not not interesting. Absolutely. I need a different word for fun. Flabbergasting factoid. <laughs> I like flabbergasting fa- factoid. <laughs> Say that ten times fast. Anyways. Oh, yeah. So what else happened this week? Hold on. I'm trying to think. I think there was a birthday that happened. <laughs> I turned 27. I got a tattoo. 
What? Um, yes, I got uh, Amit the Devourer from Egyptian mythology. Y'all don't, well, most of y'all listening will know, because y'all know me in real life, that I'm <laughs> super obsessed with Egypt. Uh-huh. Um, for those of you who don't know, yeah, I'm obsessed with Egypt. Amit the Devourer is the monster slash goddess that would eat your heart if you were evil. I got tattooed by our lovely, brilliant, extraordinary friend, Brie. She owns the Electric Lady Lounge. Hey, Brie. And she also donated our schmoke for the week, which we have your reefer reports. But we are smoking today. It's Dog Walker's Big Dog. It's a pre-roll, which is wonderful because that means... We don't have to do any of the work. Excellent. Um, it came in like a little green tube, which is super cute. I don't know what I'm ever going to use it for, though. Um, it is a pretty cool... It's um, metal. Yeah, so it's nice. Yeah, that's a nice thing. Um, <laughs> but it is the orange, L apostrophe orange, which kind of has to do with our subject today, if anybody follows our oh my Instagram at stirthepot underscore pod. I didn't even put that together. Me either. Not till just now. And I just went with it. And we're going to keep going. <laughs> In case anybody hasn't figured out, this week I'm covering OJ Simpson. I wanted to do this later. And hold on. Let me finish talking about weed. So it's a little orange. It's a sativa. Um, we've already got it lit because I just got off work and I needed to get on Daphne's level. Um, and so I had to get a uh, pick-me-up. We're going right now. Um, and see us at the sh- end of the show for the reefer review. But anyways, back to Orange. If anybody follows our <laughs> social dying. medias, I posted a picture to give you guys a hint of what we're talking about today. And it was Orange Juice. OJ, do you know what that is? Could it be OJ Simpson? <gasps> yes. Oh, oh my, my goodness. Lord. I'm uh, kind of excited about this one. Yeah. I wanted to do this case at a later date when we were more experienced, but she knew nothing about OJ. Not a darn thing <laughs> about Horenthal James Simpson. Horenthal James That's his real name. <laughs> That's just so funny. Isn't it great? It's a funny name. That's why I went by OJ. to be me. Yeah, I would have gone by OJ. One of his best buddies went by AC. And I was just like, oh my God, I love this. Air conditioning? Air conditioning and OJ. (laughs) You will never go out of style. I love it. Um, Actually, this is not a great story. He was a football player. Um, Am I going to talk about anything to do with him and his football playing activities? (laughs) Nope. Because, uh... I don't speak sports. As you found out by Mr. Diatloff, I don't camp. I don't sport. I'm just a podcaster. (laughs) And a mediocre one at that. But he did. He was an amazing football player. That's the only thing I am going to point out. He broke a ton of records. He did a bunch of different things for like uh, setting standards, and he also, after he was a football player, he did a lot of acting and small roles in TV commercials. I remember he was in um, one of my my mom's favorite movies when we were younger. It was one of the Naked Gun movies. Do you remember those? No. Okay, it was Naked Gun 33 and a third, <laughs> which is the third Naked Gun. Why Naked Gun? I don't know. But it was uh, Leslie Nielsen. 
Do you know who that is? Mm-mm. Okay, he's a little bit of an older actor, and um, I think he passed away a couple years ago, but he was... R.I.P. Yeah, he was a amazing comedian, and he played a detective that was just a complete dipshit and just completely clueless about everything going on around him. Okay. People would be getting robbed, but he would be able to figure out, like, somebody lost their car key, so he was, like, a good detective <laughs> because he found the car key. Anyways, but he was in that and played one of um, his co-cops. Okay. Co-police officers. <laughs> Partners. Partners. That's a better word. Okay. Co-cops. Uh, co-cops. <laughs> I like that. I like that. And his I name like was that. Nordberg. Okay. I don't know why I remember this. I did not look up any of that information <laughs> for the record, and I have not seen that movie. Who was the, he was OJ's. Oh my lord! Yeah, okay. oh, in the show, and he pl- kind of played like a clueless guy too. Yeah. He, wa- he was pretty funny. I hate to say that, <laughs> but like he was hysterical. Like That's there was so one scene, and I think it was in the second one because he was in that too, and he had um, either broken every bone. I like I say, very vaguely remember this movie. He like broke every bone in his body or something. <laughs> And like those are funny guys breaking everything. Yeah, and he was like in a full cast, and Leslie Nielsen's character, so the main detective, which I also don't remember his name, but I remember Nordberg, like hit a button and like Nordberg's like whole body like went down like a flight of stairs or something, or like flew out of a window. And they didn't even notice because they were just walking away and he's just like, oh my god. It was like really funny. So (laughs) they're really funny movies. Okay, interesting. Um, so, he was, I don't really want to talk about his personal life once again, but I just want to give you guys a backstory of him. He did have a first wife, which he had several kids with. Then he did get married to Nicole uh, Brown Simpson, which is who we're going to focus on today. Yeah. Um, which, there was the two victims of this incident, Nicole Brown Simpson and Ronald Goldman. I remember when I was, I would have been like seven, mm. eight years old. When the Bronco chase happened. Do you know anything about the Bronco chase? I just know it's referenced in Trek. <sighs> it's referenced in Trek? <laughs> yeah. Like you are. second one or the third one. Okay. Whenever a donkey gets turned into the white stallion. I didn't even notice it's that. It's hilarious. Speaking of Shrek, I've brought up this reference like eight times to everybody <laughs> lately. Daphne's on this new kick where she wants to be friends with the crows. It's Ravens. Not- Going very well. I think they're ravens. Birds. <laughs> and all I can see is the scene in Shrek, I think it was the third one, at the bachelorette party, and Snow White has to get all her bird buddies together, and she starts singing, ah! <laughs> and I just picture Daphne outside in her front lawn, just uh, <laughs> having birds swarm around her. And I'm just like, you know what? It's going to be a good time. I'm excited for you and your little bird buddies. I, that would be, like, my dream come true, to have birds that follow me around. I find that horrifying. <laughs> I don't like the, any part of that. I love birds. What if you got poop done? They wouldn't do that to me. <laughs> the level of confidence in her face of that statement was so wonderful. They wouldn't do that to me. They wouldn't do that to me. They wouldn't I heard once that if birds poop on you, it's actually good luck. There's a lot of people who believe that. Yeah. So, Nicole was born... Um, this was a fun fact that I found actually researching this that I didn't know. She was born May 19th, 1957 in West Germany? I did Ooh. not know she was from Interesting. Germany. Yeah. Um, she met OJ at a restaurant. She was the waitress and he was 
famous. In and what country? The United States. Okay. okay. So they, they met here, believe they met in California because okay. that's where they ended okay. up. And they just, as soon as they met, it was from everybody that was around them's understanding, they really had a connection. Wow. Um, and that's from, I know a lot of you kids out there that may not know about this case very much. There's a very popular family that actually kind of got its origins in the story. Mm-hmm. And many of you know them as kind of United States royalty. And that's the Kardashians. Um <laughs> Robert Kardashian was OJ's, like, best friend confidant. And so I know that all of... I don't know much of the Kardashians. I'm a little bit old for that. <laughs> I love the Kardashians. Okay, yeah, I'm a little bit old for the Kardashian crowd. Mm-hmm. Um, I do have my guilty pleasures, so I can't even say yeah. much. I'm, yeah, I'm definitely not proud of yeah. the fact that I love them, but... yeah. But they heard their dad was one of O.J. Simpson's lawyers that yeah. put the quote-unquote dream team together. Right. So, um, and there's something that I find very fascinating. I really don't want to get into the court case yet, so let me put that on hold for a second. <laughs> but they grew up as, like, almost family. He had a lot of really yeah. close friends with that community. And I've even heard... Rumors, and granted, I am not one of the Kardashians, and so I cannot prove this, but that they would even call him Uncle OJ. Like, it was to that point uh-huh. of that being that close. I don't know the level of relationship they have to this day, and I don't want to comment on it. <laughs> it would be wild speculation. Wild speculation. I don't want to... <laughs> Speculate wildly. <laughs> not doing it. <laughs> Mayday. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so anyways... So they met at the, this restaurant, they fell head over heels, and as great of a relationship as they had, and as quote-unquote meant for each other as they were, they were the also the definition of a very toxic relationship. Nicole had called the police on OJ several times. You can actually listen to some of Nicole's police calls. Um, I don't want to play them on here because that's a really big trigger warning, and we want to make sure that's uh, appropriate for everybody, but you can hear some of her calls and she almost seems like she's more annoyed with OJ than anything Mm. and you can hear him in the background yelling but because he was friends with almost everybody in town and everybody knew OJ is OJ the sports guy the comedian the fun loving person dang the police would come and he would take it yeah yeah, he would be calm by that point and they'd be like listen everything's all right we're good so there were several police calls that they had on record and afterwards that came in to play that sucks yeah which makes it worse they um, were married and got divorced in 92. Finally, Nicole had said she had enough. Um, mm. He would just get a little bit abusive. There are pictures of her with several black eyes. She would always be very upset. She would say it's just she's leaving him, and then she'd go back with him, and they would work things out because they really yeah. did. They both really did care about each other. Yeah. The problem is that sometimes when you care about somebody... It's just not meant for you, and it's not meant for them. Love is not enough for a relationship to work. That's a great way to put it, Daphne, because it's just very hard for everybody to be able to get along with everybody. You can love somebody and have to do it at a distance. Yeah. They did have two kids together. I'm not even going to bring up their names because it's nothing to do with the story. Mm -hmm. Because of the fact that they had the kids, the specific night that everything happened, they had already been divorced. They were on speaking terms. There were several issues reported that 
she would try and go on dates with people and OJ would be found outside of her house because they lived in different places and that's very uncomfortable. Don't like that at all. No. But they just had a very weird relationship where they understood each other. On June 12th, 1994, which uh, was about two years after they had been divorced, one of their kids that they had had together was having a recital at school. OJ and Nicole had gone together. Um, And afterwards, all of them were planning on going to dinner, um, including OJ. Like, he was planning on even meeting him there and going with. It was, they were actually pretty cordial at this point. Um, He did not go. And he left right after the recital. Um, Nicole and other family members all went to a restaurant where their waiter that evening was a Mr. Ron Goldman. Ron Swanson. Ron Safari. (laughs) Um, Which, if you ever want to see how to act in a true crime situation like this, watch the Goldman family. The Goldman father and the Goldman mother and the sister, they handled this the best that they could in a situation like this. Really? I swear. I think that they really did an amazing thing. They go to dinner. They all part ways. She goes home at her own house, which at that time she lived on Bundy Drive. Like Ted Bundy? Like Yeah, like Ted Bundy. Actually? Mm-hmm. S- spelled the same way. Uh, Not named after Ted Bundy. Say, Jesus no, Jesus. No. Um, thank God. That would be very panicky. But anyways, she had put the kids to bed. And keep in mind, this was in 94. <clears throat> you know what was not available in 94? Cell phones. Thank you. I'm very glad that you said that because I was not <laughs> expecting you to even answer that. So. I wasn't born yet. Yeah. Shut up. <laughs> what? In 94. You weren't born? Uh-uh. In 94? Uh-uh. 95, baby. Okay. So on Bundy Drive, um... They, that's where she was at with her children. Let me get back to where I was at. Lord in heaven. Sent her. So, back to the restaurant. Oh, my God. <laughs> You're going to have a lot of I'm editing. Dying, so I know. <laughs> okay. Um, so, back to the restaurant. So, she goes home to Bundy Drive, puts her kids to bed, which is upstairs, and she's downstairs, whatever. Back to the restaurant. They find a pair of glasses that one of the family members left. I believe it was Nicole's mother. Wait, so... She went to the restaurant, went home, put the kids to bed, went back to the restaurant? No, she did not. I'm just talking about the people at the restaurant. Nicole is home. Okay. So we're talking about Ron Goldman and the restaurant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, 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 okay. Um, they okay, find okay. the glasses. Mm-hmm. And in the 90s in California, the world was a different time. Okay. It really was. <laughs> um, and he found her glasses and was like, hey, I actually know this person. It's on my way home. I'm just going to go ahead and drop him off. Sure. Because she goes to that restaurant regularly or what have you. Yeah. Ron Goldman was only 25 at the time. It's... Oh, man. Yeah, he was a little little baby. What happened between when he left the restaurant and when they were found, we're not exactly sure. Next point of action. So we're just going to fast forward, leave that part open. One of the neighbors sees her dog outside of her yard. Whose dog? Nicole's. Okay. Covered in blood. <gasps> and he's like, well, this isn't normal. And he thought at first it was probably Hurt. the dog's blood. Yeah. And then he was looking at the dog and the dog had no wounds, no nothing on it. 
So he decides to bring the dog back to Nicole's house. Right. Um, and about right after midnight is when they were discovered. Mm-hmm. Both Ron Goldman and Nicole Brown Simpson were murdered and stabbed with knives. I couldn't find the exact number about Mr. Goldman, but uh, Brown, Nicole Brown, was seven times. Oof. Trigger warning for everybody. Um, and her throat was cut. Yeah. To the point where her head was almost completely uh, severed. There is something called Crime Door. It's an app. Uh, we are not currently sponsored by Crime Door. I actually don't subscribe to it or anything. But it's something if you are very interested in, and you're a very visual person, it's basically an app you open up on your phone and you can walk around and see <gasps> the crime scenes. Oh my gosh. It's a... Uh, You've told me about this before. Yeah, and it's it's very cool. I've done it a couple times and I am a visual person, mm-hmm. but to me that's just almost a little much because it looks very realistic. Yeah. Um, so that was... Scary. Yeah. But if anybody is, and I appreciate the visuals... So once the police got there, they closed off the scene. Also keep in mind, once again, trigger warnings for all of this whole episode. I'm not going to keep saying it. Um, her kids were still upstairs. Oh, my um, Lord. So I that's, about that. That was a whole different thing. Very traumatic. Both of them were immediately taken in to see what was going on, and they tried to contact OJ to yeah. see where he was at. And at the time, he was actually in Chicago. Because he had a flight to Chicago. that's right. The red-eye flight. Yeah. And he's like, when I'm in Chicago, what happened? And they let him know. I'm in Chicago. Yeah. And they let him know what had happened. And he did not ask how she died. (gasps) So that's like, I always think that's like a little red flag, like little, the unspoken. Yeah. yeah. Um, I also think that this was before... um, Lie detector tests, I do not believe that OJ took one. However, for future reference, I find lie detector tests completely not usable. I Yeah, I agree. But if somebody who I think is guilty takes a lie detector test and fails it, I'm like, see, I told you. But if somebody I don't think is guilty takes a lie detector test and fails it, I'm like, this is bullshit. <laughs> I think that's called confirmation bias. <laughs> We're allowed to. We won't talk about that right now. (laughs) We're allowed to have that, you know. But I don't think he ever took one because I think he had so many lawyers that he was told what to do Mm -hmm. pretty much with everything. Immediately. So as soon as this happened, he gets home and there's already people all over his house. The first thing he does is he sees Mr. Kardashian and hands him a bag and says, Hey, can you get rid of this for me? It was just my stuff from the overnight. Oh my and gosh. Can you get rid of this for me? Something along those lines. I don't know the exact quote, but like he handed him a bag that had his stuff in it from when he just got out of the car and said, can you get rid of this for me? This needs to go. I want to be real about if this was me and you. I know. Okay. That's exactly what I was just thinking. If my, yeah. If my best friend came up to me. And said, hey, get rid of this for me. What bag? Right. Like, it's it's gone. <laughs> They're not going to be able to hear it on, oh, no. on the microphone. They're humping. They're humping oh my before. gosh. Anyways. What were we talking about? <laughs> Shit. Why oh, getting rid of the bag. Getting rid of the bag. If, if yeah. your best friend came yeah. up to you, yeah. 
Like, I would absolutely get rid of it. It would yeah. be gone. Yeah. Um, and also when there's like reporters all around and if there's anything I can do to help my friend who's going through a traumatic situation that I yeah. have no idea what's going on. Right. You, yeah. What? Yeah. You're helping. Yeah. It's gone. I know. So. That's exactly what I was thinking when I was watching this. I was like. Yeah. So that's very hard. Same Z's. So, um, but Robert Kardashian was there as everything was going down. One of, like, I think the big stunts that they wanted to pull that day is they put handcuffs on O.J. Simpson that day in front of the publicity that was out there. Right, and then they, like, took him off right away. And they took him off, like, pretty much almost instantly as soon as Robert Kardashian walked up and said, whoa, whoa, what's going on here? Yeah. Because they had nothing yet to hold him on. Yeah. There was nothing at all. They were still getting everything together. But just that quick moment to have be able to get the press those pictures. Yeah. It's a you know, and all the people that were out there to just see him in the cuffs, it makes sends a message. Sends a message of thank you, exactly. But also something to point out about this time, this was a big, big point, especially in this area of California. For um, police brutality, it was something that was very proven, which we will be talking about that later. There's a lot of problems with the police force in California at the time. And is, it, is this in L.A.? Yes. Isn't it? I feel like the uh, police in L.A. are, like, corrupt. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. And it's this was bananas. This was one of the biggest ones, and this was one of the big um, movements for... Um, Standing up against all of the brutality that was happening. Okay. And that was right at the same time that all of this was going down. Which makes this whole situation even worse because, in turn, the case ended up having a lot of undertones that didn't need to be there. But they were used as weapons against each other's lawyers. Um, so everybody and was throwing racist yeah, stuff around? Yeah, for no reason. And it was something that... Um, if we look down at the case, I think that's important. But at the same time, it was also a big thing for the outcome of this case as well, because he was one of the first people to get away with murder. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he was one of the first people that uh, grew up unfortunate that became a football player and became a superstar and did all of this and then actually had a trial against him while he was famous, and it was one of the first ones that was completely broadcasted where you could watch the whole trial from your home. Oh, it was very sensationalized. Yeah, so it was also sensationalized, so that means everybody had an opinion. Yeah. And it was one of those things, trial by jury, trial by... Media. Media. Mm -hmm. So, and when the first picture back... Of him coming out after everything happened is him in handcuffs. Yeah. Everyone's like, and that's oh. all over TV. People are watching what's going on. They're like, what's going on? So, in turn, we're starting off not really good here. The other part that was really not good for him is there was a glove that was found at Nicole's house. Mm-hmm. And a glove found at his house. Okay, so just so we're all up to snuff. At this point... There was one glove that was found at his house, one glove that was found at her house. So one was Bundy, one was Rockingham, his was Rockingham. So that means somehow these gloves got to each place. He has been to her house, so it could have gotten there in a different way. However, the glove at his house, at Rockingham, had blood on it. 
Did they both not have blood on them? I think they both had blood on it, but it was more significant that the one had blood on it because, like, it was at his house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, DNA testing comes to find out that, sure enough, it's his DNA, Nicole's DNA, and Ron's DNA. So anyways, at this point, we're at his house. He gets arrested, gets handcuffed. He ends up being unhandcuffed and brought to the station for questioning. To kind of do a little backstory of like the investigation and when they were looking, there was... The gloves were discovered by a couple people, one of which was uh, Mark Furman, which was a police officer. I just want to bring his name up because he's going to be brought up a lot in the rest of this case. Uh, he is not a good person. Yeah, Remember how we were talking wacky. about? Yeah. yeah. Remember how we were talking about the LA police officers not being great during this time? Yes. He was the yeah. worst of the worst. They ended up searching OJ's house. Um, they found not only blood on the gloves, they also found it on his Bronco, which was taken um, from his house, and he right. was no longer allowed to utilize. Wasn't it drops? Little droplets. Mm -hmm. um, and there were droplets, like, on the floor. I think there was one on the handle. Mm -hmm. But it's important to note, I know that everyone talks about the Bronco. This is not the Bronco. Oh. That was in the chase scene. Oh. That, this he had is... another white Bronco? No. <laughs> there is shit gets weird. <laughs> Sports peoples have a uh -huh. unique bond. And I respect it because I am not athletic. I don't necessarily understand it. I was in band. I did go to band camp. We had a unique bond as well. <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't say that. I played trumpet. I don't know if that makes a difference. I'm just going <laughs> to shut up. Anyways. So the other thing that's also coming to light at this time, the night before, when everything hit the fan, this is kind of a little timeline that ends up coming out. The estimated time of death of Nicole... And Ron was about 10.15. 10.15. It's very important that we remember these time frames because of the fact that this is L.A. in the 90s, which granted traffic wasn't as bad as it is today, but it still was terrible. Okay. Um, so 10.15, she lived at Bundy. He lived at Rockingham. Okay. That was about five to seven miles away, but realistically, that's a little bit of time. Okay. So... The death, estimated time of death was 10.15. The limo driver that was supposed to pick up O.J. Simpson to take him to the airport arrived at 10.22 and starts waiting for O.J. Right? Did okay. you know, have you heard about this part yet? Well, I like just, I like watched these episodes before going to bed so I could become a little bit familiar. With the names. So, well, yeah, with the names and the situation. So like listening to you saying it out, out mm -hmm. loud at me right now is mm -hmm. like. <gasps> yeah. You know. And putting the names it, the, the, faces it, and whatever. It like sinks in. All the information is sinking in right now. It's all connecting. All the, do <laughs> the yes, dots are starting yeah, to connect. Yeah, I'm actually right. paying attention. So Got I'm it. like, oh, yeah. okay. <laughs> She's actually interested in what I got to say. Yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> So anyway, so limo, limo, driver, limo driver. I've never been to Ubu Jabber. Ubu Jabber. The limo driver. That's a Vine reference. Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> I'm sorry, I didn't Vine. <laughs> really? I know. Oh, I man. Vine. I tried to Vine. I don't think I ever made any, but mm -hmm. I spent... I mean, obviously, TikTok is kind of the same way now. Like, mm -hmm. I will sit there for like an hour scrolling through TikTok. But Vine was just... I mean, all y'all listening will agree with me, I'm sure. It's elite. Yeah. Vine is like... Vine was TikTok Vine. The OG, yeah. But they should bring back Vine. 
I don't think it could. I don't think it could. Why? It's just. Bring back the some, Sometimes, sometimes a good thing you just gotta let it. It stopped in its prime. Yeah. Sometimes a good thing has to just end while it's still a good thing. Only the good die young. A- Amen. I'm so sorry. R.I.P. Vine. R.I.P. Vine. Anyway. Anyways, back to the, the limo driver. driver. <laughs> I wonder if he was doing vines. <laughs> Anyways, I digress. He was probably doing lines. Uh, hi In the 90s, I think cocaine was real popular. That's what I'm saying. So the little driver gets there at 1022. And he's waiting for OJ. At 1040, he's still waiting. He has to get him to the airport because OJ's supposed to be going to Chicago. Which, if you remember from earlier in the story, is where he yeah. found out that Nicole had, had died. So... He, he found out. Mm-hmm. At about 10.40, he rings the buzzer. Uh, no response. Eventually, I'm not really going to talk much about this guy because I don't feel like he's as significant as people want him to be, but OJ had like a guest house in the back and there was an up-and-coming wannabe actor that lived there. Cute. And he was a... He looked like somebody we'd probably be buddies with, a little surfer stoner buddy. Mm. Yeah, he was super... Yeah. Yeah, he looks like somebody that would probably be on... He ended up being called out by a lot of fans because of the fact he lived in OJ's presence and whatever. But his what? name was Cato. Um, Cato? Cato, yeah. I can't remember what his last name is. I really didn't even write it down because I wasn't going to talk about it much. Because, like, granted, he has a couple things in here that, like, he does testify... And says, like, he saw OJ and when he did. But he was, he honestly seemed like he was just in the wrong place at the wrong time. I yeah, he was probably like, if I don't support OJ, he's going to kill me. Yeah, like, and, like, he was just kind of in a weird spot. And honestly, yeah. I don't blame him. So, Kato, wherever you're at, I hope you're doing well. Okay, so, at some point in time, Lomo Driver talks to Kato. And Kato set lets him in to like the area because he was hitting the buzzer for the fence to open not fence so gate. kato let the limo driver, limo driver into the fence yeah into the fence so oj is still not answering the door okay so then the limo driver claims to see a tall man going into the house right at like ten fifty five. right and oj did not come to the limo till after 11 so just to kind of give you a timeline if the death would have happened at 10.15, the limo driver was there at 10.22, did not have any way of seeing OJ until after 11. A lot okay. of people are like, was he able to make it home in 45 minutes? Well, what was time was to- his flight? Back then, they did not have security like they did now. This was pre-9-11. Oh, so you would just walk in. Is so in like foreign. There was, um, so I'm going to have a lot of these stories I was a flight attendant, and I've lived a lot of really crazy lives. There was so one cool. time I was stuck because of a storm. We had to di- divert into Cheyenne, Wyoming, and we were in a little puddle jumper, 50-seater aircraft, uh, oh. seven, 747, <laughs> seats 50 passengers, one flight attendant, and they had to fuel the airplane. Mm-hmm. Common rules with aircraft, if the airplane is fueling, you have to have the door open. Just because in case of an evacuation, in case anything goes wrong, you have to have the door open. Okay. All the FAA laws. Is it going to start... Continue. It could start like a fire or something like that. Yeah, okay. You know, just like when you go to get gas, it says don't get back in your car. Right. Same kind of concept. Right. Um, (laughs) 
So anyways, we were sitting on the tarmac for almost like three to four hours, but there was no security at this airport, so we could not let the people off of the airplane because there was no security to check them back on. So when we were fueling, I had the main door open and there was no stairs because they didn't even have stairs to like let us out. So like like it was, we literally had to divert because the weather was so bad and it was an emergency. And this guy kept saying he wanted to smoke a cigarette. He needed to smoke a cigarette. He needed to go out and smoke a cigarette. And I was like, sir, I can't. Like, we're going to Denver. We're literally maybe 15 minutes of a flight away. So once we get in the air, you can get out. You can do whatever. But we just have to, like, just be patient. We're all getting cranky here, whatever. And I'm standing, and I'm trying to give you a visual here, even though you can't see me. The door's open. I have to have one hand on a handle on one side. And one hand on the door on the other. Yeah. So that way I have like a block in case anybody comes to me. So I'm literally facing out. And so that way people can't go. So I'm facing out. I'm the only flight attendant on board. And I just kind of keep checking back and forth. All of a sudden this guy fucking bum rushes me. Oh my gosh. And it's a like six, seven foot drop down. So it's decent. And I had a good grip. I definitely lost my footing and I went forward. But I had a good enough grip that I didn't fall. Dude. By the time I caught my balance, both my pilots had him on his back and his hands behind his back. Hey. And I was like, you want to you mess with me now? How's that cigarette? Wow. So, anyways, so that's one of my uh, big memory stories about airplanes. But talk about like security issues. We literally could not even get off the airplane, even if we like literally stood on the tarmac and we could not get back on because Mercy. technically security issues. So, oh my lord. So he just walked on this airplane and flew to Chicago, checked into his hotel at like noon when he got there. All of that happened. He ends up getting arrested. He gets. He gets arrested, not arrested. in Chicago? He's not arrested yet. Okay, I just jumped ahead. Let me <laughs> okay. So oh, he ends no. up coming back and Spoiler. has the cuffs. I know, right? <laughs> he gets the cuffs put on him. Oh, so the cuff on and off thing was in Chicago? No. I'm sorry. <laughs> So he gets to Chicago, checks into his hotel at like noon, and then he gets the call around that same time and okay. he flies back. Okay. And he flies back like immediately. Okay. That's like a six hour flight. So he ends up getting, I think, to his house by like four, I think okay. is where it was at. And that's when they were already going through his stuff, already had found the glove. They already were going through his house. Oh my gosh. He hands the bag to Kardashian. Uh-huh. That was straight from Chicago. Says, here, take this. Please do what you need to do with it. Uh-huh. Um, he ends up getting taken in for questioning. That's when they find the Bronco. Right. All of that jazz. Got so it. anyways. I'm tracking. As of that second, he did not really have a lawyer. However, Kardashian was kind of stepping in. Kardashian sure. was not a murder lawyer. Okay. Um, because there are different <laughs> kinds of lawyers. Right. Fun fact for people. A lot of people don't know that. Like, not every right. lawyer does different. Yeah. Like, does the same thing yeah but um different specialization right and he also i believe was not practicing at the time oh um and but he was oj's bestie yeah. so he was like all right let me we're gonna get you the best team right that we can and he starts to put together the quote-unquote dream team so <laughs> the first one i believe that comes on is shapiro and he kind of takes the lead Okay. In the TV show, the OJ one, the um, American Crime 
story that was done by... So the ones with the actors? Yeah, the ones with the actors. Okay. That was done by Ryan Murphy. Okay. Um, John Travolta plays Shapiro. Mm-hmm. And it is one of the best performances I've ever seen. I oh. think he just did... The whole show, I think, is done great, but I just think that he really went above and beyond. Anyway, oh, I, he played such a great... Shapiro's kind of a jerk. Yeah. But he's... Just, a jerk in the way that he needs to be because he's a lawyer. Right. You know, so right. really, I I don't judge any of these lawyers for anything they yes. did because they were doing their job. Yeah. And they were being paid. Yeah. So anyway, so he joins. Um, there was also Bailey who joined. I, He's kind of there. Durkowitz who joined, <laughs> um, which was somebody that was actually from tuning in from away and would fax them information. Oh my god. And he gosh. was working with like students and they were all watching the trial live and then he, they would be like, Oh, you need to say this, and they'd fax something over, Whoa. and they'd take it up. So that was, and that's like the first time. Is that allowed? It is, yeah. And that was like the first time that this has been not only done, but it was done on live TV, so people were watching. And this was like the first big broadcasted celebrity trial, mm-hmm. because there had been like celebrity murders and things like that as well. Mm-hmm. But most of the time before this. It was either they paid them off mm-hmm. um, and they got away with it, mm-hmm. or a lot of um, murder suicides happened prior to this when it came with celebrities. Right. Um, so this was something that was just kind of new and nobody knew how to handle it, but wow. at the same time, everybody knew how to handle it. Right. The last one that was wow. added was Johnny Cochran. Okay. Um, what a guy. Um, were you a good Charlotte fan? Um. There was a song that they did, and I can't remember. It was Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous. That seems familiar. And the lyrics were, if you were caught smoking crack, McDonald's wouldn't even want to take you back. But you can always run for the mayor of D.C. And then there was something about, as long as you've got the cash to pay for Cochran. That is a reference to O.J. Simpson. So um, I did not know that when I was a teenager listening to... Uh, Good Charlotte. Yeah. And I just was jamming out to this this stuff. Um, I was jamming out, and now that like all of this is together, I just I just want to point that out. Sorry. Back to the. Very interesting. Back to the crimes. Okay, so Shapiro takes over as head lawyer. Those are all the lawyers that end up coming on board. Those can are the main. Just, can you run through their names just one more time? Yeah, for sure. So the main two, the main three that I'm going to be talking about are going to be Shapiro, Cochran, mm-hmm. and Kardashian. Okay. The other two big ones are Bailey and Dirkwitz. Okay. There were also like a, a lot of students that learned right. with this. And, a and lot they of were like attached to Dirkwitz. Dirkwitz. Mm-hmm. Okay. And there were also a lot of other lawyers that were there because people usually have different lawyers for different things. Right. But those were, that was considered the dream team. The okay. five. Okay. All right. What was that? So then anyway, so June 16th were the funerals for both Ron Goldman and Nicole Brown. June 17th, so the day after... and. OJ did go to Nicole's funeral. Dang. In, in case anybody was curious. I know something weird happened there. I don't exactly remember what it was. So the day after the funeral, Simpson was officially charged with murder. Oh. And the police made a deal with Shapiro that he will surrender himself. That he just has a few things to take care of, and then he will go in and surrender. Just have some evidence to destroy. I'll be right back. Yes, BRB. <laughs> uh, hold tight, guys. So they had a deal that he was going to go in at like noon or something, and they left 
the lawyers, quote-unquote, left him alone for a couple minutes and said they had no idea this was going to happen. And there was a very, very uh, not promising note left. I wouldn't necessarily call it a suicide note, Mm -hmm. but it was not a, like... I cannot live without Nicole. Right. Um, okay. It's coming back to me. Yeah. yeah. I can't do this. Uh, I needed letter. her. And it just, it didn't necessarily say, uh, I'm kill yeah, I'm yeah. going to do this, but it just alluded to the fact that he's not going to be around. Yeah. So that's when OJ ends up calling his buddy AC that I think I was talking about earlier. Air conditioning. Yep. Which his name is Al Collins. Okay. Um, also a football player. Mm-hmm. And because they're buddies, and remember how I told you all this crazy stuff happens? Because OJ was his hero, and he looked up to OJ so much, he had the exact same year, color, and style of Ford Bronco. Shut up. That OJ had. So somebody actually spotted them on the highway and knew that OJ was then wanted. yes. And because they were talking all over that OJ Simpson was a wanted man at this point because he ran. And somebody was like, hey, I see him in a Ford Bronco. We know that OJ has a Ford Bronco. All the police officers were like, I thought the Ford Bronco was in evidence. And so then they're scrambling to see where the Ford Bronco is. They find the Ford Bronco still in evidence. And it takes them a minute to put two and two together (gasps) because sports fans, uh, Uh you know, they've got that special bond. Uh (laughs) So they finally, at this point in time... I feel like this is something you will never in a million years have ever even heard of. Mm-hmm. Have you ever heard of car phone? Yeah. Have you? Or there's a phone in your car? Yeah. So it's like connected with a cord, not yeah. like a cell phone? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Hi, girl. Okay, just making sure. <laughs> I don't know. Some of you youngins. Uh... I'm pretty sure my, I'm pretty sure actually my mom won a car phone in some kind of silly contest. Ring, 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 ring. Banana phone. <laughs> <laughs> All right, anyway, so there's a car phone. So there's a car phone. Oh. What? Right. I'm just remembering. No. So Simpson <laughs> starts calling people from this car phone. Just calling his lawyers. Oh, Calling yeah. the police. Right. Um, while... Calling the police. Why am I being called? <laughs> no, and telling the police, call them off or I'm going to shoot myself. And he oh. had a gun. Oh, so he, uh, this is how this whole Bronco chase started. So he kept saying, if you don't call them off, I'm going to shoot myself and I'm going to shoot AC. <gasps> so call them off or we're both donezoid. <sighs> so because of the fact that this was a different time and this was also being broadcasted all over and the LA police also were getting a very bad time about being negligent. Right. They did not want to like shoot his tires out or do anything like that that may cause something as a problem. So it caused this chase of this Bronco going like 30 miles an hour down a highway with lines of police officers behind him and people over the bridges saying, go OJ, run OJ with signs. And people even pulled over on the highway, were taking pictures and cheering him on. Ew, first of all. They also, at this point, not everything was out. Right. About what happened. They did not know about the glove. They didn't know about everything else. It was just suspected. Okay. I mean, granted, it's still just suspected. But, so, he's on the call with the police officers, with the lawyers. They finally agree to go back to Rockingham and meet him at Rockingham. This was 60 miles of them going like 30 miles an hour. (laughs) 
That's incredible. Yeah. At some point, they were going to have to stop for gas. What? <laughs> yeah. Like, at some point, they were going to have to stop. Like, it was going to be a problem. But he called, like, his mom. He called his family. He just wanted to talk to everybody. He was very weepy on the phone. Another thing, I know I'm relating it to the TV show of Ryan Murphy. The person that played OJ did a very fantastic job of playing... A man panicking. A man panicking. But, like, the whole show does not really show you if OJ did it or not. Oh, and the so he, ambiguity Yeah, remains. thank you. He did very good at... And I don't know if that's necessarily a compliment, but he was... He was an I would say so. Yeah, he's an yeah. ambiguous actor. <laughs> um, anyways, I digress. So, once they get back to Rockingham, they tell him to get out of the car and leave the gun in the car. He was holding pictures of his family and got out of the car, and they kept telling him to put it down mm-hmm. because they didn't know what it was. Sure. And... It ended up escalating, and to my understanding, uh, Kardashian was there to meet him and was like, bro, we got you, and he was the one that helped. Um, Also, I believe his oldest son was also there at that same time and went up to... This was his oldest son from his first marriage, which I really didn't talk about, but... OJ's oldest son? Mm -hmm. Okay, okay. And went up to the car and talked with AC for a minute, and what was said was not exactly clear, but talked to them, and then he walked away, because he was actually pulled away by the police. Because he wasn't supposed to do that. Sure. So anyways, so then fast forward, July 22nd, he pleads not guilty uh, to the murders of Ron Goldman and Nicole Ronson. Mm -hmm. And he said, I am 100% not guilty. Like, was very confident. Barf. Um, Lance Ito, I I keep saying these names because (laughs) all of these names that I'm saying now are going to come back at the end. Oh my gosh. In full force. (laughs) So like no. I'm foreshadowing. Okay, Lance I, Edo sounds like a Star Wars character. I right. Say that's a dope name. And um, from my understanding about this guy, he was he was cool. He was uh nice. He with all the crap that ends up happening with the trial, which I have not even started yet. Oh. All the stuff that happens with the trial, he really handled everything the best that he possibly could in a situation that was impossible. Right. I have so much respect for the people that worked on this case. And I know that sounds nuts because I know it was a faulty case, mm-hmm. but when I, let me get to the end. Okay. So anyways, it was a faulty case because it was doomed from the start. Yeah. And that was, the, anyways, okay. Yeah. So January 11th. So this happens July 22nd of 1994. Okay. January 11th. That's like six months later. Now this is January 11th, 1995. Yes. Okay. So the next year. Okay. That's when they finally get the jury selected and sequestered. It took them that long to pick out a jury because each side kept saying, nope, I don't want this one because of this reasoning. Nope. And they just kept going back and forth and both sides kept the prosecution and the defense kept saying, nope, nope, nope. And just could not agree on a jury. I did not know that's how that worked. Sort of. Yeah. So like if um, one person has an issue with, like say the prosecution has an issue with you because you have lived in a different country for some reason, then they can go to the judge and be like, I want Daphne removed for this reason, and here's why. So you can be rejected from jury duty? I've been rejected from jury duty. (gasps) I mean, granted, this was like in the prelims, but they saw that my dad works with police officers. And as soon as they saw that, they're like, sorry, you can't be part of this specific case. I think I would get my feelings hurt. <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> yeah. 
So on January 11th, they sequestered the jury. And this trial goes on for nine months. Girl. And they're not allowed to go home. They are not even allowed to talk to each other outside of jury. They're not allowed to talk to their families. They're not allowed to talk to anybody. They just have to go home into this hotel room by themselves. I think they had, like, permitted TV that they were allowed to watch. Mm -hmm. That's it. Crazy. Absolutely crazy. So on January 16th, which is a few days later, Shapiro, which was the main lawyer at the time, Mm -hmm. decides to tell the press that all of O.J. Simpson's lawyers have stopped speaking. (laughs) And he's no longer speaking. We've all taken vows of silence and joined... A monkhood. Yeah. No, he's like, um, me and Bailey are not on speaking terms at the moment. Oh, you mean they were all mad at each other? Yeah. Oh my gosh, I thought you little... No, it's even worse. They're all... Oh my gosh. They weren't talking to each other because they were mad at each other. Ew. And then a few days after that, um, Cochran ends up becoming the lead lawyer in the OJ. They all got together and they were like, hey, so he did this, right? Yeah. Uh, (laughs) And so Cochran is his defense lawyer. We also have Marsha Clark and Darden, Chris Darden, as the prosecuting team. There was another lawyer that was on the prosecution team that they don't really talk about much, and he was only there for, like, the first couple days, I believe. First couple episodes. Yeah, I was about to say first couple episodes, but that's not it. Um, I mean, it was on live TV, right. but I think he, from my understanding, he had a heart attack in the middle of the trial. Oh, mercy. And so then they brought up Chris Darden. And Marsha Clark got a lot of flack because she was, she gave off bad bitch energy. Like she just naturally gave off bad bitch energy. And at that time in the 90s, somebody that is all over TV, all over media, all over everything, that is an aggressive woman that's trying to prove that a celebrity that is loved by millions of people committed murder Mm -hmm. is not necessarily the most liked person in the world. Yeah. And she went through hell with this. Like, it was terrible. But she, um, before nudes got leaked, her nudes got leaked. (gasps) Like, it was published in tabloids. Oh, my God. Because her ex-husband, like, wrote in to do that. Ew. In tabloids that you could buy. Like, Like, isn't that gross? Like, Or, like, she got a different haircut one day and... It was all over the news that she changed her hairstyle and it looked stupid. And it was just like, she's a lawyer that's trying to do her job. Yeah. Leave her alone. Yeah. Anyways, I digress. That's so weird. So. People are weird. People are gross. Weird. So one of the first big testimonies that I'm going to talk about is Mark Furman. Do you remember Mark Furman? No. Are you serious? (laughs) He was one of the police officers that helped find the gloves. Oh, the, the racist. Yeah. Yes. But he's not racist. Quote, 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 quote. Oh, okay. Quote. So on March 13th, he said on the stand, he's never been racist. Mm-hmm. He's never said any racial slurs. Mm-hmm. He said that he did his job. He said that there was no tampering of any evidence at this scene, mm-hmm. what have you. That is a very important testimony because that's going to come back to bite to bite everybody. Yeah, because that was a huge. He was the one that found the gloves. Like a key factor in the case. Mm-hmm. He was one of the police, one of the first police officers on the scene, so he was one of the prosecution's best witnesses and most reliable witnesses. Mm-hmm. 
And the fact that this all happens makes it harder to believe. Um, on April 4th, uh, it was proved that there was protocol that was violated with the evidence blood. and the blood. And things were not done according to everything with the crime scene. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was a hit for prosecution. They took quite a few hits. They took quite a few hits. On May 10th, the DNA was entered and it came back that it was officially Nicole and Ron on his glove at Rockingham, which is his house, mm-hmm. and in his Bronco. Mm-hmm. Here was a big issue with that. Nowadays, we hear that and we're like, oh, slam dunk. All right. DNA was still new. Granted, this mm-hmm. was only like 28 years ago. DNA was still like a new thing. Mm-hmm. So that makes it really hard to get people, oh my gosh, there's this new study and it's only one in a billion people that can possibly have this DNA. Oh, right, and it was like crazy yeah. odd, so it's like hard to even wrap your mind right. around. Like, yeah. think of a world of not the DNA. statistics. Yeah, yeah, not DNA with, you know, world. Like, I don't even know. Yeah. So anyways, now you can tell if somebody's there by like a small little, I sit in your room and I've got DNA all over right. the place. So, uh, but, I hate it. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like you shed all the DNA. Shed the little hairs. Ew. <laughs> but the jury had a harder time understanding that as well as sure. I think it, that's normal. I think I would too. So then on June 15th, this was a big problem this day. Marsha and Chris Darden, so the two, Marsha Clark and Chris Darden, the two prosecutors, had a, a conversation about having OJ try on the <gasps> famous gloves. Oh, yeah. And Chris was like, I really want him to try on the gloves. I, if we do that, it'll be a slam dunk, we'll win. Yeah. And she's like, if anything goes wrong, it's going to be the exact opposite. Mm-hmm. And so they decided not to go with it. And he was kind of egged on by Johnny Cochran because mm-hmm. Johnny Cochran was an amazing lawyer at the time. Mm-hmm. And Chris was an up-and-coming lawyer. This was, like, a really big opportunity for him because the other gentleman had fallen through. Mm -hmm. And Johnny Cochran was somebody to look up to. Like, he really was. And ended up asking OJ to try on the gloves without confirming with Marsha. The gloves did not fit OJ Simpson. One, he was wearing plastic gloves underneath the gloves. Mm -hmm. Two... If you go to try and put on even any kind of glove, you can mess with your hand and not put the glove on. Yes. Three, one of the biggest rumors is he was told by his lawyers to stop taking his arthritis medicine. (gasps) So his hands swell up. Shady. The gloves did not fit. So that was another big hit. I feel like it's so ridiculous that it's obvious that the gloves. Yeah. Yep. Like, but, that was, like, all bull crap. Yeah, yeah. Well, and the thing is, is at the very end, his Johnny Cochran's closing statement was, if it doesn't fit, you must acquit. It was his hashtag before hashtags. <laughs> <laughs> so he hashtagged, if it doesn't fit, you must acquit. And the jurors remembered that yeah. because it was a slang thing. Snappy. But I'm going to talk about the jurors here in a second because I also feel for them, too. But anyways, getting a little further into this. Mark Furman, uh, there was a tape that was found of a recording of Mr. Furman. Oh my gosh, this is the not racist guy. 
The not racist guy, quote well, unquote. Okay. In this, he was saying... Who found the glove? Who found... This is the guy that also okay. found the glove. Okay. 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 So this was like the prosecution's big guy, the big one that was keeping them alive and afloat right now yeah. after the glove and after everything else. They're like, at least we still have Mark Furman. He testified. He did a really great testify. This tape comes out where he is slinging racial slurs yeah. around like nobody's business, throwing it all over the place, saying... Also admitting that he is, he was bragging about doing police brutality <gasps> and literally saying all the different people of color that he had beaten for no reason and stated all of this in this tape. Not only does he say that, because Mark Furman couldn't be oh a God. big enough terrible person, also in this tape, Lance Ito, who is the judge... His wife was also a police officer, and he talks a lot of smack about Judge Ito's wife. Oh, my God. So in, in the event of um, any type of situation like this happening in a trial, normally this would have to be thrown. Yeah. Because now the judge is biased because of the fact that he came out with this. Now you have all of these issues with your main prosecuting Question person. Yeah, that's like their, their, their main witness. Ma thank you. Main witness. Um, I don't know if that's the right. Nope, that's perfect. Okay. And it's all smashed. So then the problem is the defense calls Mark Furman back to the stand. <laughs> and what they do is they ask him questions about are you asking the same questions? Are you, do you consider yourself a racist? And at this point, if he says yes, that means that his previous testimony was completely mm -hmm. thrown out. If he says no, that's literally against the law because they found the tape. Dang. So he, that's where the famous, I'd like to assert my Fifth Amendment privilege. I'd yeah. like to, and that's where you don't criminalize yourself, you don't say anything. Yeah. So in turn, they ended up asking, because that's all he was saying, mm -hmm. they even asked him, did you tamper with the evidence and the gloves. I'd like to assert my Fifth Amendment privilege. Ooh. And it's just because his lawyer told him that's all you can say. Because at Dang. this point, he's watching his own butt. He doesn't yeah. care about what's going on here. He needs to save his own ass. Which, I want to talk a little, uh, this guy. So he started... Wait, who? Mark Furman. Oh. The police officer. Yes. This guy. The okay. The racist guy. <laughs> can't keep his name in my head. I know, it's okay. It's a stupid name. You shouldn't have to exactly. remember it. But he ended up writing true crime books and ended up hosting a talk show on the radio. And I'm like, sir, you need to not. I feel like that's... What? Those are the two worst things you could possibly do. So anyways. Oh my gosh, that's so hilarious. Ido was almost removed from the trial. And if that would have happened, they would have to do a complete retrial. Oy, oy, oy. The prosecution was for a retrial. The defense sure. at this point was no longer for a retrial yeah. because they, they were like, saw, we got this in the bag. Right. And even though it does look like, you know, a lot of duh situations, these are all right here. It uh, was not for the people that were sequestered and living in a hotel. So anyways, on September 8th, there was a closing argument. The rule of thumb when it comes to juries and how long it takes to deliberate, I believe is like, for every week, it's one day, or every for every week of trial, it's like one day of deliberation, usually. So they do a week of trial, and then they like take a day to. No, so they do 
they finish the trial. They finish the trial completely. And then at the very end, usually the ratio of how long it takes them to deliberate is like, say it was five weeks long, it would take them five days. Usually. Like that's just like a rough estimate. That's like an average of like... Average, yeah. Okay. So they were expecting, since this trial was going on from January through September... (laughs) Oh my god. (laughs) Okay, yeah, I understand. (laughs) Holy crap. So since this trial was going from... I'm almost done, I promise. I did not understand that for a minute. I know. I promise I'm almost done. (laughs) No, it's okay. Um, So since this trial went from... January through September, that estimates for a pretty long time of them actually deliberating. Yeah. Four hours they deliberated and came back with their answer. Jeez. So there's a couple things I want to go back. So we want to talk about this jury because they were sequestered for nine months. And I know I said that several times. They started arguing several months into it, like mm-hmm. all of them, like when they would have their meals together there and whatever, mm-hmm. just because they were like able to watch like a movie at night and they couldn't agree on the movie. Oof. And like, that's little, because you're literally seeing the same 10 yeah. people. And they're strangers. Like you don't know these people. No. And you don't want to know them. <laughs> and right. you don't even get a chance to know them. Yeah. You know, so it's, it really sucks. And many of them also actively did not like Marsha Clark due to the whole issue that she had of her being... A strong woman. What oh, okay, okay. Um, one thing about Marsha Clark I also want to bring up. She had full custody of her kids, mm-hmm. and she was working full-time and taking care of her kids. Mm-hmm. And during one of the days of trial, the other lawyers, um, the defense, tried to give her a hard time and ask if she's really willing to do this, if she's got to go take care of her kids. <gasps> because she was, like, late. And she stood up and said... I'm a single mother. You have to give me a break and like just let him have it. And Judge Ito ruled that they are no longer allowed to talk about any type of that in the courtroom. And I feel like that's something really important because Marsha Clark gets a really bad rap. And I don't think she should Mm -hmm. just because she did not win this case. This case was unwinnable. Yeah. Especially everything that had happened. Even if he did not try the glove on or whatever, Mm -hmm. the jury was literally sitting in there for nine months. Mm Mm-hmm. They were probably they probably all sat in that room for deliberation and looked at each other and said, "As soon as we decide this, we get to go home." Yeah. After nine months of not seeing your family, they like didn't care. They didn't give a fuck. They were like, "Okay, I just want to get out of here. I'm done." Yeah. And I don't blame them. Yeah. Like that's a long time. Yeah. And not only that, but a lot of the jurors said it's not that they didn't believe that OJ did it, but that the prosecution did not do the job of proving yes. it. And I think that's correct. I don't. That's, I think that's how justice should be upheld. I think that's absolutely how justice should be upheld. Yeah. And a lot of times it's not. Yeah. But I don't agree with them because I do feel like that they proved it with the DNA. But at the same time, DNA was not a thing. So yes. it's like, okay, I get it. So. Yeah. I forgot about that. So at that point, he was, if it does not fit, he must have quit. Mm-hmm. That, um, I believe, week, he tried to throw a party with all of his old buddies. <gasps> And, um, a couple people came, none of his old buddies. So there's also a very, one of, if you watch the documentaries and all of the actual footage from the courtroom, Mm -hmm. there's a very distinguished moment 
where Robert Kardashian's face falls. Mm-hmm. And it's the moment I think he realized that OJ did it. And I'm not saying that OJ did. I'm just saying I think he realized <laughs> in his own head that that's what happened. Mm-hmm. And after the trial, they actually never spoke again. Oh my goodness. So from my understanding, I don't believe that they have any more contact with each other. Like the families. Yeah. Uh, Robert Kardashian has passed away. Yeah. Um, so there was a civil trial that was conducted. Do you know what a civil trial is? I do not. Okay. So that is basically, he was not, he can't get double tried. There's no double jeopardy in the United States. Do you know what double jeopardy is? I have an idea in my head, yeah. but I want you to confirm it for me. Absolutely. So double jeopardy is basically you can't be tried for the same thing twice. Okay. So if you come out innocent, you're innocent. Okay. You can't be tried for it again. Okay. Even, okay. like, just... So, like, Even I know... Even if, like, new evidence is found? Yeah. Like, you're... That's why a lot of times okay. if they have a suspect in mind... Yeah. And they don't have the evidence to support it... They won't. They wait to arrest them until they've got the evidence back, like the DNA gotcha. and all that jazz. Gotcha. Um, so that's the double jeopardy. So okay. OJ could not be tried again for this. Mm-hmm. A civil trial is... Is he responsible for her death Hmm. and it's more of a financial thing so Mm -hmm. like not that i think that the goldman family was looking for money or anything yeah but just i want him yeah i want him to be held accountable yeah and during that trial in the original trial oj never testified is that normal um yeah usually with anybody that's being convicted of something this big that Sometimes their words get confused and backwards. Sure. They usually, and because OJ was kind of a smooth talker, yeah. so any way that they could manipulate it, mm-hmm. they just wanted to avoid it. Yeah. So I get it. Um, in the civil trial, though, he was forced to uh, speak. S- to speak. However, in the civil trial, they did not allow any cameras in, so there's Ooh. no record of it. Unlike the other trial where there were cameras all over, it was the first big broadcast of right. one. They didn't allow any cameras in. Dang. The Goldman family won. <gasps> and they won $60 million from OJ, which he has yet to pay. Um, which OJ also wrote a book called If I Did It. And it talks about, <laughs> I didn't it's do insane. it, but in the event that I did kill Nicole and Ron, yeah. this is how I would have done it. And he actually talks in this about having an accomplice and that's a very actually strong theory about the whole OJ thing is that the accomplice was his oldest son, Jason, the one that came to the car. Oh my gosh. The one from the beginning. Um, there's no actual evidence or anything along those lines. Mm -hmm. They also never found the bag that Kardashian took. Um, they also never found the knife that was used to murder them. Weird. So they never found any of that whatsoever. Mm-hmm. But in the book itself, if I did it, um, all of the proceeds, because of the fact that he did not pay the Goldmans, all the proceeds for that book go to the Goldman family. Hmm. So if you buy the book, because I had to buy it for this podcast, mm-hmm. um, and I didn't feel bad buying it, it even yeah. says on there, it doesn't say anywhere that it's by O.J. Simpson. Mm-hmm. It says by the Goldman family okay. because they get everything. Yeah. And what's really amazing that they did, because like I said, they handled this like elite on the cover of the book. Cause they got to change the cover. Mm-hmm. They put, I did it. And if is like itty bitty tiny up in the corner nice. and it's like, all right, just smack it to nice. him one more time. Nice. Um, 
The last thing about OJ that I'm going to talk about is uh, da, 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 in 2007. Okay, so because of everything that happened, OJ lost a lot of money. And he lost a lot of his uh, like football memorabilia. Mm. In 2007, there was a situation that had happened where he went to go steal his <laughs> memorabilia back from like a back alley mm -hmm. tradesman. Oh my gosh. And got arrested. Oh. And like he got belligerent. Like he went in like yeah, yelling. Yeah, because how pathetic does that make him right. look? Right. Like real bad. Yeah. Um, And when he got tried for that, he was found guilty. And the woman that was trying him, the blah, 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 attorney. Mm -hmm. Nope, not the attorney. The judge. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. The judge... Um, Gave him the absolute longest sentence because, and she said something along the lines of, you didn't get it the first time. Ooh. And it's just like, now granted he was only in there for about 10 years. He actually got out in wow, 2017. Years. Yeah. So he was there for 10 years for robbery, which is not, I feel like that's yeah, a long time. a long time. Yeah. <laughs> he was sentenced to 33. But okay. because of good behavior yeah. and all that jazz, things. Which is. Very strange to me. That doesn't make any sense to me. I could not <laughs> tell you a lick of that. I know a lot of the other stuff that makes no sense. There's a lot of weird things about. Oh yeah, but prison. in 2017, the juice was loose. <laughs> <laughs> he is currently living in. Dude, <laughs> are you kidding me? <laughs> they used to call him the juice because he was a football oh, player. Oh my OJ, the juice. God. So the juice was loose. You never. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! They both stay promise. Oh. So in 2017, the juice was loose. He was a free man. He's incredible. <laughs> He's currently living in, I think, in LA again, in like a gated area. Mm -hmm. Um, where he plays golf all day and he says that he's, uh, doing all right. He's not doing too bad. How does he make money? Probably royalties. Mm -hmm. All the documentaries that have been made about him, even the TV show that was made about him someday. Money from that? I'm sure. I'm sure a lot of it. Or at this point, with all the true crime crazies that are out there, I'm sure people just literally pay him to exist. Mm-hmm. And that's sad. But... <laughs> You know, that's life. Oh my gosh, I can't get over the juice is loose. The that's juice is loose! One of the funniest things I've ever heard in my freaking life. I'm really glad. <laughs> and I'm glad that you enjoyed this story yeah. of a Sir O.J. Simpson. Do you want to know what I think happened? Yeah. I think he did it. Okay. Obviously. And I think there wasn't enough solid evidence so I think it's a possibility that the police might have planted evidence mm -hmm. to like help give themselves a case and just got caught in that yeah. web of lies. Because it was like the first time DNA was used, so they didn't right. even know that they're this like, would be a thing. Sure. Yeah. So they're like, oh, because like I think one of the things that they talk about in one of the documentaries is one of the... One of the cops walked, was beat bopping around with a vial of... Blood. His blood. Yeah. yeah of OJ's blood. Yeah. And it was open. <clears throat> yes. Right. So, and that's something that, even if it has the exact amount in it that it should have, the fact that it's unsealed, yep. that's a problem. Yeah. Um, and there was, like, weird contamination stuff, mm -hmm. and, like, there was something about how the prosecution didn't see blood 
on a sock until like three months into yeah. whatever was going on. Mm-hmm. So there was a lot of weird discrepancies. Yeah. And there were some things where the uh, they said this one guy collected the blood, but then it turned out that it was his assistant that collected the blood. And then they showed where she gave a demonstration mm-hmm. on how she collected the blood. Mm-hmm. And it was wrong. Yeah. So... There's a lot of just weird little things about it. And, you know, as oh, yeah. I'm watching this and, like, listening, I'm like, you know, I think it would kind of make sense if the police were like, yo, he did this. Mm-hmm. We got to put this guy away. Like, mm-hmm. let's do what we need to do to put this guy away. Right. Exactly. And then it obviously Escalated backfired. Yeah. <laughs> because that's what lying does. Yeah. <laughs> it backfires on you. Yeah. And it just, like, totally screwed everything up. I and, 100% yeah. agree with you. Yeah, but I'm also a pretty firm believer in if there's some kind of, like, mistrial or if, mm-hmm. like, you can't prove it, like... I agree with you 100%. Do a better job proving it. Yeah, I agree with you 100% <laughs> because there's too many people that are in jail that... Shouldn't be in jail. Shouldn't be in jail. Yeah. For, like, silly reasons or because... Yeah. And I, like I said, I agree with you. I think that he 100% did it. Mm. I think that he... There's a couple theories that I've heard... One, that he took the rap for his son. Okay. And I'm not saying that that's ha- that happened. I don't know anything about his son. But it's a very interesting theory, and yeah. I can totally see something like that happening. Sure. When you're a parent, you're that's yeah. a different breed of... Uh, oh, 100,000%. Right. Yeah. Um, I've also heard that he helped, like, because he said in the book that he had an accomplice. Right. That the, the son the helped. accomplice. Yeah. Um, but realistically, I think that the main person to blame for all of this is, is a Sir OJ. And mm-hmm. it's just very sad because the two girls or the two kids that they had, I think it was a boy and a girl, had to grow up without a mom. Yeah. And Ron was only 25 years old. Oh. Like he was in college and trying to put his way through school because he was like a waiter. Waiter. Yeah. And he was, his family really cared about him and he was like a funny guy and Nicole was an amazing mom, an amazing woman. Mm-hmm. And it's just something that's really sad when it feels like if we go back to the beginning, all this could have been prevented. Yeah. Yeah. If, you know. Yeah. But at the same time, then it could have been prevented even more-ish if they didn't tamper with the evidence that that's what happened. Right. Or didn't lie on the stand about right. being who you are. Yeah. Not that being who you are is a good thing. <laughs> don't, don't be who you are yeah. if that's who you are. <laughs> That's who you are. Don't be you. That's not special. I'm talking about Mark Herman. <laughs> I just want everyone to know. Funny, always. Oh my god. Don't if you're racist. Don't be yourself. <laughs> yeah, because that you're a terrible person. Don't put that out there in the no. world for everybody else to have to deal with. No, <laughs> keep it inside. Yeah, nobody keep wants. Keep it inside. It's gross and disgusting. <laughs> and it makes everybody in the world hate you. So you liked OJ. Where are you going to finish the documentary? Oh, I'm definitely going to, yes. Definitely watching the show. Definitely finishing the documentary. Mm -hmm. Me and my fiance watch it every night before bed. Mm -hmm. Which is so funny because I don't think he was into true crime at all before Mm -hmm. me. And now he's like actively like, do you want to watch a documentary? I'm like, yes. Yes. Like every (laughs) single night. It's hilarious. It makes me so happy. I love documentaries. Um, Yeah, he's like all about the true crime and... Not so much the paranormal stuff. He's pretty logical in that sense. He's like, uh, it's not real. I'm like, okay, well. Who says who? Maybe it is. 
that's on you, bro. If you say right. it's not real, yeah, right. you, I'm out. I ain't helping you. Yeah. <laughs> you then, can figure it out. Then yourself. what am I seeing over there in the corner? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then what's got three eyes looking at me over there, bro? Yeah. Because that's real to me. <laughs> Oh, my Lord oh. in heaven. So, on that note, <laughs> I think it is time for... <laughs> the Reefer Review! <laughs> oh. How are you feeling tonight, Miss Das? Oh, man. Fantastic, actually. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah? yeah. yeah. I... Thank you, Brie. Uh, this yeah. was pretty... This I like this a lot. One. Um, this once... was hard to power through my thoughts with, <laughs> if you know what I mean. No, I totally get it. I was, uh, yeah, I tried to get there. We got there. We got to the end. This may be a long episode. It's really fun. If so, stick with Oh my us. gosh. We love you. Uh, but once again, we were smoking La Orange in honor of this episode. Um, and it was a... Um, Dog Walker's Big Dog, um, donated by Bree of the Electric Lady Lounge. And I think this week, this is going to be two weeks in a row that I'm going to give it a... Five out of five. Five out of five puffs. And remember, even though it's five out of five puffs, it's still only Puff Puff Pass. Hey, y'all. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Stir the Pot, where we went over the OJ case. Totally insane. Totally it's insane. Cool. I think you did it. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at stirthepot underscore pod. And remember, don't get matching cars with your friends. And stay dangerous. <laughs> <laughs>